Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you. As always, this is episode 27, if you keep a track at home. So we rightfully named it the Brandon Jacobs episode for all you Giant fans out there. You know that name and remember that name well. And if you're a particular Jets safety back in 2011, I think you remember who Brandon Jacobs was as well. Well, we got a lot of a lot going on in the NFL. There's a lot of COVID going on, obviously, of course, throughout the entire country. The NBA is coming up soon. Major League Baseball, there's uh, some some fun stuff to talk about with the Mets, finally, for once in our lifetime. But I got to introduce my two guests first. I got Zach Kruk with me. He's the host of Speak Up every Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m. at WTBQ and WGHC. He's also the sports director. He was on episode 23, Zach. That was our uh, Jordan episode where we had a pretty lengthy debate about Jordan and LeBron. That was pretty fun. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be here, brother. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and we got Dan Baldwin, who's new to the podcast. He taught me everything I know here at WTBQ and WGHD. He's attending Syracuse's Newhouse School for Public Communications, I believe is the full name of it. Yep, the Newhouse School of Public Communications absolutely worked me to the bone this past <laughs> semester. <laughs> it's been a tough semester, but it's good to have Dan back in the studio. He's uh, working on his master's and, and everything like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get it rolling here with the sports. And uh, last week, seven and six on my picks, kind of yeah, average week. But I did reach a huge milestone. I have 100 wins predicted correctly this year on the season. That's out of 162. That's a 62% winning percentage on the season. I got to get to 128 to guarantee myself a 500 or better season. So we're going to work on that. But just looking back, guys, week 11, you know, you got Taysom Hill coming in for the Saints, for the injured Drew Brees, who may or may not have fractured every rib in his body. Uh, Joe Burrow, the real tough, tough injury that we saw Joe Burrow suffer this past weekend uh, towards ACL, I believe is MCL, and he has some other structural issues in there. Tua got benched. Is that is that something they really want to flirt with here down the stretch? Dallas surprises, beats Minnesota, then comes back to normal on Thanksgiving Day, which we all know and love. Mahomes, the late drive against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucks can't beat a team with a pass rush. Shout out P.J. Walker of New Jersey from uh, Carolina. He replaced Teddy Two Gloves. And that's really when you look back, those are, those are the real big, big things in terms of last week. Guys, I want to get right into the NFL with COVID. We see the Steelers and Ravens has now been postponed twice this season. The first matchup got pushed back because of the Tennessee Titans. Now this matchup is being pushed to Tuesday night because of the, because of the Baltimore Ravens. Really, the Steelers have had some players on the COVID reserve list. But I want to get your guys' thoughts. Are we going to see a forfeit, maybe? Are we going to see a Week 18 added in the NFL? Do we see an 18 playoff extension? Zach, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts so far when you see the situation developing in Baltimore? Well, you know, first and foremost, I kind of, I've developed over the last couple of weeks this dislike for Baltimore that I that I really never had before. Uh, first, it was with Harbaugh not shaking Vrabel's hand after the game. I'm like, what's your problem, dude? And then the Harbaugh's just kind of have this thing about them. You know, I, I don't know. They're weirdos. But uh, then with this with this outbreak, the Steelers are the ones getting screwed here. The Steelers already lost their bye week. They they did not have a bye week when they were supposed to play Tennessee. So now they're they're supposed to play the Ravens this week. Things get screwed up again. I think if they can't play the game, the Ravens should forfeit the game. I mean, they, they're they the ones dealing with the outbreak. The Steelers have been impacted by it a couple of times. And you know what? I just, with COVID in the NFL, the other thing about it is that I've, I think has become kind of clear is that, and this isn't a surprise, 
I don't think Roger Goodell really cares about COVID all that much. I, you know, I really they're pushing these games through, and they're playing games. I'm amazed how many positive tests there are on Monday. You know, every Monday, you, oh, pop positive, positive, positive. And I just, in this game, whenever they do play it, if they forfeit it, whatever, um, I just, I, there's something about the Ravens lately, not to mention the fact they're not playing that well. Dan, what do you think, man? Listen, Zach, early as early as week three, I went on a buddy's podcast of mine, and I declared the Baltimore Ravens as a fraudulent team. Mm. They're frauds. They, they can't beat any of the teams that they need to to get to where they want to go. They want to get to the Super Bowl. There's no way they're beating Kansas City in the playoffs. I don't think they can beat Indianapolis. I don't think they can beat Tennessee. Heck, I don't think they can beat Buffalo or Pittsburgh. Quite frankly, Zach, at this point, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Doesn't look like it. No. And ultimately, they're going to do whatever they can to push this game through. They don't want Baltimore to have to forfeit a game, especially when they're in the middle of the hunt right now. Um, But I'm with you. I don't like the Ravens. The Harbaugh's have always had this kind of aura of entitlement. They kind of feel like they are deserving. Like he kind of like Harbaugh. John Harbaugh thought that he was almost deserving of that win, but they choked it away. Yep. They did. Nothing more. Lamar Jackson, everything that we talked about last year on my show with Ryan, it was Lamar Jackson. What were his flaws? Can't throw to the outside, and his arm isn't that strong. He's kind of a one-trick pony at this point, which the NFL has figured out. The offense isn't dynamic anymore. He's doing what he do- did to win MVP, but the NFL is used to it at this point. When's he going to win a big game? Exactly. When? When is he going to win a big game? I mean, last week's game was as big as it came. Absolutely. And they choked it away. Choked it away. And they lost the first time to Pittsburgh, too. I know it was a close game. I think, plus, if he's not going to play. He's on the COVID list mm-hmm. if this game goes off on Tuesday. So I think they're going to get their doors blown off by Pitt. Well, he does have COVID, so that is a, you know, it's not like he can get a couple negatives here in the next couple days and he'll be back. He has a confirmed positive. So it is a really big concern when you look at how far he's gone. Does he become one of those one-hit wonders? You, you, It really starts to make you wonder. And again, now it's still early in his career and he can develop it. Again, we've seen, I've made this comparison before. In the NBA, we've seen LeBron James didn't have a jump shot really until year what? Eight, nine, ten. So you can develop these skills, but it's not looking good for Lamar right now. He's, he's going to start looking up with some of those bands of uh, the one-hit wonders, like the, the ones that came out with like Mambo Number no. 5. Like, that's, that's <laughs> Lou Bega. Right, yeah. right, right. We're starting to enter that stratosphere, I think, if Lamar continues his play down the stretch. And one, in, I mean, obviously injuries impact everybody, but one injury, and this guy potentially turns into his backup, who's going to play against Pittsburgh if this game goes off, RG3. You know, RG3 was Lamar Jackson, essentially, before Lamar Jackson. So, who knows? And RG3 had a better arm he than did. Lamar did right yeah, now. That is correct. Like, Lamar's R- a better runner as of right now, but Lamar, he can't throw outside the numbers. He no, just he can't. can't do it. No, and, and and I made this point a couple weeks ago on the podcast. He's never been asked to. Think about it. Like, when he was playing youth and high school football, hey, we got the best athlete on the field. He's just going to run all over the yard. Let's get let's keep keep the ball in his hands. Why would he throw it? Gets to college, same thing. He gets the NFL. He has success running the football. He doesn't have to throw the football. He didn't have to, at least, to have that big year last year. So I think there really hasn't been a pressure for him to have the arm that he does. So we're going to really find out a lot about Lamar Jackson and a lot about his intangibles, I think, which is huge moving forward. I'm also curious to see uh, if when this happens, uh, obviously not anytime soon, what he is without Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator. 
Well, we even saw Greg Roman. He was the coordinator in San Francisco, yeah. Colin Kaepernick. That exactly. offense even faded away. You hear System. Lamar Lamar saying teams know the plays. Yep. They know the plays already. They know the calls. They know everything. Now that's something you got to handle internally, but oh man, not not good in Baltimore. And and, and Pittsburgh is rightfully upset. I, I really do believe that. And uh you know what's funny? If they go to the eighteen playoff, you know the one team that would get screwed? Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because then nobody would have a bye and they were the mm-hmm. team in position for a bye. And credit to them, they've had a really great year. All right, we're gonna go into week twelve picks. We got we got four games that I really want to talk about, and we'll save those for the for the end. But we're gonna go some rapid fire picks. I want your pick, and I want maybe a sentence or two why you're taking that team, and we're gonna alternate who we go with. So Zach, I'm gonna start with you. Las Vegas at Atlanta. A very intriguing matchup when you think about the dynamic of both teams. Atlanta in the dome with Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, as inconsistent as it gets, but they're playing hard for their new coach because why would you play hard for Dan Quinn? Uh, then you have <laughs> Las Vegas who's, you know, they're on the verge of a playoff. And this this has to be a must-win game for them if you're trying to get into the postseason. I'm going Vegas in this game uh, by 7 to 10 points. They got something going, and I just Atlanta can't, can't close out games. I know they're better, but I'm taking the Raiders. Dan, what do you got? This is the epitome of a trap game, 100%. On the road, off of a really tough emotional divisional loss where they had their heart ripped out of their chest. But again, they got something going down there in Vegas. They really do. This offense is dynamic. They can score on you in multiple different ways. And this Falcon defense can't stop a nosebleed. Give me Vegas by at least four. Well, you know... They never said anything good came out of the Death Star, to be completely honest, in Star Wars. So that makes sense. Uh, but Vegas is... You're right. Vegas has something cooking. I've picked against Vegas about just about all year. No, know Eric Moltner, our, our Raiders fan on the podcast. He's listening, I'm, I'm sure, right next to his ear. I'm going to take Vegas as well, guys. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I really do believe that Derek Carr's played well enough this year. Uh, they were in that game with Kansas City, and some, some could argue they should have won that game. So... Uh, give me Las Vegas in this one in the dome. Julio questionable too with Julio a hamstring. Qu- so and, and is their offense reaches yeah, so When is he not questionable? Right. They, 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 when he doesn't play, Matt Ryan's terrible. Probably so. the Clinton administration was the last time he wasn't <laughs> questionable. Uh, we're going to keep it moving. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to have a really tough road trip up to Buffalo, where it's going to be a lot colder than it is in Los Angeles. Dan, we're going to start with you. Who do you go with this in this game? Well, I think, I think Buffalo's going to win, but I think it's going to be tighter than people think. This Charger team has a knack for forcing close games. They just do. They're always hanging around, whether you know whether they should be or they shouldn't be. Herbert finds a way to be productive. Their offense is dynamic. They can score on you in multiple different ways. But the one thing is, you know, I could even see the Chargers jumping out to a lead in this game and then Buffalo storming back. But I think Buffalo's going to win around four points. Again, Josh Allen's too good. And the Bills really have to win with Miami nipping at their heels a game back from them. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I agree. I think the Bills win the game. I uh, I just can't see, I can't see, you know, going into that environment, going cross-country. And like you just referenced, Dan, they, the Chargers keep games close, but they also find ways to lose them. So I think they're an improving team, but I'm going Buffalo all the way in this one. Yeah. Also, West Coast to East Coast on a 1 p.m. Yeah. game, as you mentioned, it, Zach, it's just not... It's good. always been brutal. It's mm-hmm. always difficult. And Josh Allen has sort of recovered. He played, started out MVP, Josh Allen this... Then he kind of regressed a little bit. Now he's kind of finding his form. I think they win. They move to eight and three on the season. And uh, yeah, Los Angeles. This is just this, another stamp 
there's like a there's like a checklist to get Anthony Lynn fired, and they're just like checking it off. He's checking some of those boxes week. himself. Right, right. He's helping them out, and uh, but no, I I I do agree with you, Dan. I've been really impressed with Herbert, Sherbert the Herbert, as I call him. But he's played really, really well here in his rookie season, and when he gets a new coach and hopefully a, a healthy Derwin James. That team could be scary in Eckler a few years. Eckler coming back soon, too. Yep, Austin Eckler's a whole new dyna- dimension to that offense. Excuse me. We're going to move to a team that won 20 to nothing last week. We mentioned P.J. Walker. Carolina is going to play at Minnesota. Minnesota coming off that embarrassing loss against Dallas. Really disgusting taste in your mouth. Really a toss-up game when you think about it. It really should be one-sided, but what we saw from Minnesota last week kind of leads some questions. I'm going to start out on this one. Taking Minnesota at home. I like what Matt Rule's done. I, I think he's really building a program, which is which he's done every stop he's gone to. He's a great coach. P.J. Walker, I think, belongs as at least a backup in the NFL. But I just think Dalvin Cook gets this run game going against this young Carolina defense. I think he gets it going. I think they feel embarrassed. As I mentioned, they feel embarrassed after last week. I'm going to take Minnesota at home. Dan, what do you got? Well, I think your analysis is spot on. The hungry dog runs faster. Always has, always will. Minnesota is embarrassed. You take teams that are somewhat competent coming off of an embarrassing loss. And losing to Dallas at any point during the season, that's embarrassing, especially after what happened on Thanksgiving. And I think with the Panthers, what happened against Detroit was a bit of an aberration. You know, Stafford had a bad thumb, and literally their entire offense was hurt and didn't play. The Panthers don't have a good defense. They just don't. They're, they're too young. They're inexperienced. Love what Rule is doing. I wish the Jets hired him two years ago. But this is a must-win for Minnesota if they are really legitimately interested in making the postseason this year. I think Minnesota is going to squeak it out. I'm going to go with my with kind of a rooting interest here. I'm going with Carolina because, like you just said, Dan, I like what Rule's doing down there. And this is another team that's feisty. They stay in games. Um, you know, their quarterback situation is what it is, but uh, and McCaffrey's probably not going to play. And I do think Dalvin Cook's going to have a day, as he always does, especially at home against a team like Carolina. It doesn't have a great defense. But I'm going to go with an upset here. I'm going to take the Panthers uh, pulling one off just because I feel like Minnesota's one of those teams. You don't know who you're getting every week. Is it Dr. Jekyll or is it Mr. Hyde? We don't know. Yeah, that's going to be quite quite the matchup. We're going to move on to, uh, I don't know, I don't know if Dan wants to say this publicly, but his favorite team. Uh, the Miami Dolphins <laughs> at the New York Football Jets. This game's going to be played at MetLife Stadium, of course, with no fans. Tua, is he going to play? Is he not? He's got the thumb injury. I think he's going to play. Doesn't matter. Roll me Tua. Roll me Fitzpatrick. And give me the give me Miami to cover. Dan, oh, good luck. Go ahead. So I've been meaning to speak to both of you about this. I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified of this game. The Jets' offense has looked too good the past two games. They've looked too good. And for those of you who don't know, I am praying every night on my knees, 0-16. Just get me Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> don't care how it happens. I just need that man in my life. And after seeing how bad Tua looked against Denver last week, 11 for 20, 83 yards, a touchdown, only four yards per completion, that's abysmal. That's terrible any way you slice it. I almost hope he doesn't play. I think the Dolphins have a better chance of beating the Jets with Fitzpatrick. You know, with that being said, the Jets are the Jets. If you need to tank, Adam Gase is your guy. He really is. I mean, that man is as clutch as it gets for the tanking marathon. I am nervous. I think the Jets will make this game closer than it is because that offense has scored seven touchdowns in the last two games when they've had all three receivers healthy. Brashad Perryman, Denzel Mims from Baylor, and Jameson Crowder. 
It's a competent trio. They made Joe Flacco look good. I think it's going to be closer than I would like. If if, if it was my choice, the Dolphins would win by 50. The Jets wouldn't score a touchdown. Um, But I think the Jets' offense will keep it close. If it's Patrick starts, he's going to light up this Jet defense. The Jet defense is starting three rookies, Lamar Jackson, Ashton Davis, and Bryce Hall from Virginia. I don't see how they're going to slow down the Miami passing offense, even if Tua does play. If Tua plays, I'll be I'll be sweating a little bit more. But I think the Dolphins will win by about four. I don't really get why uh, I didn't get the Tua starting when it happened, and Nor did I, I. I still don't really get it today. And you know, my big interest in this game from a personal level is: Do I start the Dolphins defense against the Jets this week in fantasy football, or do I start the Browns at Jacksonville? That is like it's keeping me up at night. I don't know which one to do, but. Dan, I think your I th- your assessment right there, especially on the receivers, people have been sleeping on Perriman all year. I know he's been hurt, but this guy, to me, since they signed him, was an underrated signing. He stretches the field. He stretches the field. He's got good hands. He wins contested catches. And I think with Darn, I don't know if he's, this is crazy to say, I don't know if he's better suited with Flacco or if he's better suited with Darnold. The Jets have another issue on their offensive line, where uh, which is uh, who's the starter that's going to be out? I know Udoga's or um, the backup. George Fant. Yeah, Fant is out, and the backup is out at guard. So that could be an issue uh, for Darnold. And uh, but I also agree that I feel like this Dolphins team is setting itself up to take itself out of the race. I mean, abysmal mm-hmm. in Denver last week, absolutely awful in a game where they pull Tua against a team that is. I mean, Denver is wretched, a wretched, and I understand what a great word. (laughs) Yeah, mile high, the conditions, all this stuff. I totally agree. I see this game being closer than it should be. I think the Dolphins' defense potentially, if they can rebound from what it was last week, I started them in my fantasy league against Drew Locke last week. What a disappointment for me! But uh, I'm going to go with Miami. But I think the Jets are going to keep this thing close the whole way, the whole game. But if you're a Jet fan, you got to look at this as one of the few games on the schedule you could Maybe actually the only one. win. Yep. Right? That's not that a good is, thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a good thing. But looking down the stretch, if there's any light at the end of the tunnel, and if you're a Jet fan that's actually looking for a victory, not Dan, uh, you you would look at this game and say, this might be our one chance to go drink at the bar after the game and celebrate a win for once in 2020 in a year that's been of misery. We're going to keep it moving to that game that uh, Zach referenced that's keeping him up at night. <laughs> We're going to go Cleveland at Jacksonville. I think this is pretty simple. In years past, I think this game is one that you just hope isn't regionally on your television. <laughs> yeah. I think I think this year you hope the same thing, but at least Cleveland's a good football team this year. And again, they haven't won pretty. They're not going to win pretty. If whether they win ten games, whether they win a playoff, whatever, they're not going to win pretty. I like Nick Chubb. I like I like what they're doing. Kyle Stefanski realizing he's basically got a Walmart version of Kirk Cousins in Baker Mayfield back there. So run the football, set up the play action, and get a few big plays in there when you can. Zach, we're going to start with you. Who you got in this game? I mean, I get you go Browns all day, every day. This is a team that's uh, you know they don't do it pretty. But I think they are going to smash Jacksonville in the face with the run game. Uh, it may be rainy there again. I don't know. I've, I've been looking at the forecast for my fantasy football team. But over the course of the week, it looks like it's going to be okay now. But uh, I just can't see. I mean, Jacksonville starting Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon, who should have been out of the league 
three years you ago. You telling me you don't like Mike Lennon? When he la- when he made his last start in 2017, I believe it was, the guy is a statue. Now, I understand that they don't have Miles Garrett this week. Denzel Ward is out. Uh, he hurt himself last week. They have COVID issues. Cleveland does as well. I don't think any of it matters this week. I think when you're facing off against Mike Glennon and an offensive line that is terrible and you have a running game against a defense that is absolutely abysmal, I think the writing's on the wall. I think uh, Cleveland wins this game by double digits. Dan, before you go there, the quick thing about Mike Glennon, which is funny, he got benched for Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky then got benched for Nick Foles, (laughs) who Gardner Minshew replaced, who Jake Lutton replaced... Uh, Gardner Minshew when he got hurt of, uh, and now Mike Glennon it's unreal it's yeah. it's just unreal it's called the circle of hell that's what it's called <laughs> quarterback and, hell yeah and that is uh, that's Jacksonville's life but go ahead Dan you know I, I said this earlier this week I said it was a hell of a move by Jacksonville hell of a tank move to start Mark, Mike Glennon this week they really show they're putting their chips on the table they're not winning a game for the rest of the season and that should terrify Jet fans and yes, I'm picking the Browns. I would go. I would throw a party if Jacksonville won that game. It gives the Jets some breathing room. The Jets could actually win a game, go one and fifteen, and still get the number one pick. But I don't see that happening. This 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 Jacksonville team just stinks. They flat out stink out loud. Right now, I think if the Jaguars and the Jets played, the Jets would beat the Jaguars undoubtedly, one hundred percent in my mind. So I'm going with the Browns by at least seventeen points in this yeah, game. Jackson- they're going to run it right down their throat, and I don't think. Jack, I don't think Jacksonville's going to have any answer on either side see, of the ball. Could see a double hundred yard game again from uh, Hunt and Chubb in this game. Jacksonville's just so bad. It's like they try to sp- uh, spray the Febreze because they stink so bad, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it still doesn't work. We're going to move into our four o'clock window. New Orleans at Denver. This game got a little bit spicier since Denver's win last week. And again, the wild card of Taysom Hill. I think he's only got a handful more career passes than I do. So. What is he going to do in the mile high? He's going to run the football. I'm going to tell you that much. Listen, if you're Denver, I think if you stop the run, you can win this football game. I just don't have the confidence that they will. I'm going to take the Saints. Dan, where are you going? I was about to say, I'm picking Denver. 100% I'm picking Denver in this game. And I think we saw a big reason why I might be picking Denver when they beat New England. I think it's a very similar team in regards to how they're going to be calling plays, what they're looking for. Obviously, New Orleans has more dynamic players than New England does. But Denver beat New England up in Foxborough. There's a big difference. They're at mile high. This is going to be Taysom Hill's first start away from the Dome. Vic Vangio's a very intelligent defensive mind. If they can slow down that Taysom Hill rushing attack, and Drew Locke, I mean, listen, Locke is not good. Locke ain't it. There's no way. But that offense can make a couple of plays. Tim Patrick's a pretty darn good receiver. Jerry Judy can play. Give me Denver with the upset. You know, it's an it's a interesting take there, Dan, because I think that uh, Denver is a different team at home, and their defense is the strength of the team. They're not a good team, but the, the strength is on the defense with Fangio running the show there. Um, I think it's a tight game. I, I think it's uh, – but the, the, the comparison you make between the New England game with a guy like Cam Newton at quarterback, and now you're facing, against, facing off with Taysom Hill – and everybody was, oh, Taysom Hill, they, you know, his his average, his, the length of uh, the field that he was throwing on these passes was infinitesimal. He wasn't throwing the ball deep. Um, he's a dual threat, obviously, but uh, I'm still going to take the Saints because I think their defense is too much for, like, Locke stinks. Um, and their offense, I agree, Patrick, they lost Cortland Sutton really early, who is, uh, you know, looked like he was going to be a breakout receiver this year, but... Uh, 
I'll take the Saints in a tight one. Maybe, you know, field goal max. Yeah, it's going to be really... And the Saints outdoors have never been great. Dan, your assessment has actually led me to flip my pick. I'm going to take Denver in this game. My man. It just seems like... We, we talked about this a few weeks ago when Zach was on. Just the wackiness that happens in Denver for whatever reason. The way the ball bounces, the mile high, everything like that. Just the wackiness that goes on. And New Orleans outdoors, I think, is significantly worse of a football team than they are in the Dome. So I'm actually going to take Denver in this game. You know, Ryan, it's funny because I was looking in Vegas because I was just doing a little light gambling the other day. And uh, I was looking at NFL futures and the Saints are the favorite to come out of the NFC right now. And I was like, doesn't seem right. Like I don't. I, that doesn't seem right at all. And then I looked at it and I was like, "Man, I don't like any of these teams <laughs> right now." I think it just goes to show that there's a lot of parity right now, and there's not a lot of teams that are just flat out dominant. Because you can look at every single NFC contender and be like, "Well, there's there's an obvious weakness yep. in the Saints right now." It's right smack in the most important position <laughs> in the game. And it seemed like Kamara got taken out of the game with Hill as the quarterback last week. He just did. There was not the focus on Kamara. Uh, who's their best player? I mean, Mike Thomas, obviously, he's having a Slant bit of a King. down year. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Kamara's dynamic, and and if they can't find ways to use that guy, that's an issue. That is, that is a big issue, and we're going to fly through these next few picks. San Francisco at L.A., this was going to be a great game, I think, earlier in the season. I think Los Angeles has really proven. By the way, when quarterbacks have thrown the ball 20-plus yards downfield on the Los Angeles Rams, do you know what their QBR, the what their quarterback rating is? What? 6.5. Wow. The next closest is like 42. They, they are absolutely, and Jalen Ramsey, obviously oh. the staple in the back half of that defense. Shout out Jordan Fuller, actually from Old Tapan, New Jersey. He had two picks against Tom Brady last week. Uh, guys, I think this one's pretty straightforward. I think the Rams take this one at home, uh, and I think Sean McVay just continues to get this offense, trying to prime them here down the stretch for, for a postseason run. You know, Jared Goff is nothing flashy. Like, if you had to pick a young quarterback in this league to lead your team, it ain't Goff, but there's something that works well with him and McVay. They understand each other. They work towards each other's strengths. Goff doesn't do anything crazy, and all they do is win. The last game that they lost is that really random meltdown that they had in Miami, and before then was at San Francisco, and San Francisco straight up outplayed them. I don't see that happening this week. I think LA is going to take it, and LA is looking like a sneaky, dark horse in the NFC right now. What a loaded division. That NFC well, West is terrific. Exactly, yeah, exactly what you I, got. I agree. I think that uh, L.A. wins this game. I know it's a division game, and those are a little you know dirtier, feistier, closer generally, but I just don't think San Francisco has the horses to hold up. And and I agree. With McVay, you got a guy there who, as he continues to go year after year here, you see him make these tweaks to the offense. You see him one week, okay, we're going heavy tight end sets. Another week, we're, we're, we're going to throw the ball more. We're going to go look to our receivers more. Another week, okay, we're going to run Robert. We're going to run Woods out of the backfield five times. You know, they switch things up. He's almost got that little Belichick thing about him with the adjustments to each every each and every opponent. You know, it's not like we have to run the same thing every week. What's going to be most effective against a team that we're playing? And with a team like San Francisco, who's just so depleted, I mean, it's just a lost season for the Niners. I, I don't see any way they beat L.A. And L.A., like Dan just said, they're they're getting on a sneaky little run here that could, in this wide-open NFC, anything can happen at the end of the year. And uh, I think they're going to be one of those teams in the mix. Yep, you never know. And uh, we're going to go to our next game, and I'm going to criticize the NFL for keeping this the Sunday night game of the week, Chicago at Green Bay. I think they should have flexed Kansas City and Tampa into that spot. It is late enough in the season where they could have done that. But 
Uh, we're going to talk about Chicago at Green Bay. I don't think, guys, I don't like this Sunday night game. I really don't. The The Bears, Brock, I'm sorry. Your offense is disgusting. I think I run a better one in Madden. I'm not going to lie. Green Bay, they just, they got they got to be ticked off at some point. They they were rolling. Again, in the, in the Indy game, it looked like the Tampa game. Really, when they get out to the hot start, they play well. You're like, wow, look, they're going to play up with these big dogs. And then as soon as pressure hits, they fold. But I don't think pressure is going to hit them much this week. I, I like the Bears defense. It's a good defense, not a great one. But I like Green Bay in this one, especially at home in Lambeau. Zach, who you got? Uh, I, I agree. I don't see the Bears to me are a team. And it's been for it seems like it's gone on for decades, like since they were in the Super Bowl with Lovey Smith. Like, OK, the Bears are on. OK, let me try not to fall asleep while I'm watching this game because they are just so nondescript. The quarterbacks always stink like they, they have no running back. It's watching their offense is horrendous. I agree with you about Green Bay, and it seems like that's kind of been a trend during the LaFleur era here in Green Bay. They seem, in the first half, first quarter in particular, they seem to have plays scripted where they march right down the field, and then like second quarter, mid-second quarter, everything just grinds to a halt, and you're kind of relying on Rodgers from there out. But I think Green Bay, Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Chicago's defense is good. They're not going to stop Green Bay, and I think Green Bay's on a mission here. Again, division game, uglier than usual, but Green Bay wins it. Yeah, Dan? Don't overthink it. Green Bay. Yep. Yeah. I I don't think – I really don't – I don't think it's a close matchup. And, Zach, that's a great point. When the script is there, they're great, which means they're doing a great job in film session. Here's another thing. They had a chance to get Will Fuller at the trade deadline for a second-round pick, reportedly – Will Fuller, who if, right now is top five in receiving yards in the NFL. If they, if they did not do that, I would take that as a serious smack in the face to Aaron Rodgers. They just were not uh, getting him a weapon. They're apparently sniffing around for Kenny Stills now, who just got released. But Kenny Stills ain't Will Fuller. No, no he's not. No, not even close. We're going to keep it moving to Monday's matchup. Now, remember, we're going to have Monday and Tuesday night football this week. So the football gods were looking down upon us. And uh, the Monday night matchup. Seattle at Philadelphia. I'm going to make this very simple. Philadelphia plays in the NFC East. Seattle has Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> Seattle wins this one. It, I don't care that it's in Philadelphia. I think they win. I mean, honestly, Ryan, after watching the Eagles the past two weeks, how could you say they're going to win another game all year? I, I don't know. I don't think I can. Uh, and they're in the NFC East. I need them to lose. Yeah. How could you have confidence in this team against anyone, even against Dallas? I just I don't understand. Oh, they what a future so game that's going to be. Oh. I used to be a Carson Wentz defender. Not anymore. I mean, how could you defend the guy? You just, you, you couldn't. This is, this is one of those games where, you know, don't even, don't think, don't overthink it. Yeah, as you said, Ryan, I think your analysis nailed it. One has and, Russell Wilson, the other has Carson Wentz. And, and Doug Peterson needs to cut the BS. He's got to stop this little media passive aggressive stuff. You either need to come to full defense of your franchise quarterback or you got to bench him. You can't sit in the middle. It's making him seem really dumb and really stupid and indecisive. It's really ticking me off, Zach. Who you got in this game? What a what a cautionary tale about the quote unquote franchise quarterback, right? Because a few years, <clears throat> excuse me, a few years ago, you're looking at Carson Wentz saying, "Man, these guys are set for 10, 12, 15 years." MVP candidate. And now the guy can't get out of his own way. And maybe is it offensive line? Is it this? Is it that? He's got weapons on all. I mean, I know Jeffrey's been hurt. He's back now. 
Jackson's been hurt, but Jackson to me was always a little overrated. You know, Deshaun Jackson, he's One a field pony. stretcher. That's it. Um, Jalen Rager, nice looking rookie, but he makes so many. Wentz makes so many dumb mistakes, and that is not something you should be seeing from a guy this deep into his NFL career. And again, you're talking about just the game. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson again on a, under any circumstances. And he's been a little helter skelter lately. He hasn't been what he was in the first maybe quarter or third of the season, but he's still Russell Wilson and and he's still one of the scariest guys in the league uh when he's on the field and he's got the ball in his hand. So yeah, Seattle all day, every day. And if you need any other motivation, Seattle's owned Philly. Absolutely yeah. owned Philly. Well, this was our divisional. Ra- this was our divisional round matchup last year, I yeah. believe, in Philadelphia. That's the game where Carson Wentz finally going to start his first playoff game, then gets hurt. Uh, Jadavion Clowney landed on his head. Uh, I'm sure that would hurt anybody in this country. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, but, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, and that deep threat with DK Metcalf, I, ju- I that that duo is becoming special in this league. We're going to move to Tuesday, which is going to be the first of December, which is kind of crazy to think about. You think about how this year is gone. Baltimore at Pittsburgh, guys, again, this is another one for me. Don't overthink it. Pittsburgh wins ugly. They always win ugly games. I was talking to my buddy last night. Their big blowout wins are like 14 points for them. Whereas like other teams win like 38 to 3, the Saints against the Bucks. That's a blowout win. No, the Steelers blowout is like if they beat a team by more than 14, you better be like, whoa, that was huge. I think they win this game by maybe, maybe 10. I'm leaning towards more towards a touchdown, uh, but I, but I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I think they continue uh, their undefeated season so far. Dan, what do you got? Yeah, no doubt. I completely agree. I was telling Zach earlier. You know, this Raven team is just fraudulent. They are frauds. I don't think they have the talent. I don't think they have the schematic advantage to beat teams if they need to to get to where they want to go. I don't think they're better than Pittsburgh. I don't think they're better than Kansas City. I don't think they're better than Indianapolis. We saw Tennessee. Owns them mentally and physically last weekend. I wouldn't I wouldn't overthink this one. I think this is a smash. You smash Pittsburgh in this game. Especially if you tell me you don't have Lamar Jackson, you don't have two of your running backs. I know Ingram kind of stinks now. He's, you know, but J.K. Dobbins is out. So you're you're leaning on Gus Edwards out of your backfield as your as your workhorse. Uh their receiving core stinks and it has stunk for a long time. They don't, I mean, they, they I, I don't know if Des Bryant, I think they activated him from the practice squad maybe last week, but I, you haven't heard anything from him. When your number one guy is Hollywood Brown, um, and then you got Miles Boykin and and Mark Andrews is has, I think, more touchdowns than any other receiver, all the other receivers combined on that team. Yeah, Pittsburgh is going to, uh, I think Pittsburgh wins this game at full strength between these two teams. The fact that the Ravens are so depleted, um, and they're in kind of a tailspin, and there's controversy there, and and things aren't looking so good. It's amazing how things how fast things can turn in the NFL. And I think uh, Pittsburgh is going to be ticked off about how this game has been switched, how they've been screwed out of their bye week now twice, and I think they are just going to annihilate, annihilate the Ravens in this game. Yeah, and when you look at Baltimore's offense, let's not forget the loss of Hayden Hurst in free agency yeah. or, or he got traded. That really, we we look at these power run heavy teams, it's really the two tight ends set. When you look at those two established tight ends, uh, they really miss them. That's not the only reason. It is a pretty big reason. So that wraps up our, our, our big, our small slate, in my opinion. We're going to get to the big stuff. Arizona at New England. I love this matchup. 
It's in New England, in Foxborough. This is a game, again, if you're Kyler Murray, just like you had against the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football last week, this is a game for you to prove you belong on this stage against Bill Belichick, the greatest coach to ever walk this planet. You have to prove you belong. I don't know if they get it done. I, I'm leaning towards Arizona by a field goal in this game because I don't trust New England's kicking game, but you never know what they're going to pull out. Is Jacoby Myers going to throw a touchdown pass again? I'm going to take Arizona very slightly in this game. Now, Larry Fitzgerald is out with COVID. You better hope you don't get in a two-minute drive where you need somebody to run the ball to the official because Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> is that guy. Can't do it now that he's not playing. So, But I think, I think they're explosive enough. I think Kyler runs around enough. Let's not forget, that defense lost Dante, uh, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy. They've lost Jamie Collins in the past few years. All these guys, Patrick Chung in the back end. I think they lost a lot of speed, and I think that's what you need against this Arizona team. Zach, we're going to start with you. I'm taking Arizona. Yeah, and I agree. Now we're, now we're to like the, the turkey and stuffing portion of the oh, yes. NFL slate. Like This is the good. We're past the appetizers. I think this is this is a game. I agree, a very interesting game because you have Murray. You know Belichick always schemes to take away the biggest weapon, which is obviously Hopkins on that offense. Um, but do, does New England have enough on the defensive side of the ball to take away the other components and the quote unquote air raid offense of Kingsbury? Uh, I like Arizona in this game. New England is always, regardless of how how much they've been kind of. Uh, taken down from uh, off their pedestal this year, they're still a tough team to beat and and a tough team to beat at home. Um, I think it's a close game. Uh, I'm actually going to take New England in this game in an upset. I just think, uh, you know, traveling all the way up to New England, I don't know if the weather's going to be that cold up there, but and Murray's got a little issue with his shoulder. Uh, heard it in the game last week. Doesn't seem to be much of an issue, but it did impact him in that game last week. Uh, I'm, but I'm going to take New England in an upset here. This is New England season right here. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And I think the formula for New England is very simple. And they got away from it against Houston because they got down early so quickly. You know, Cam Newton threw the ball 40 times. If you're New England, you're not going to win with Cam Newton throwing the ball 40 times. There's just no way. You have to get the. You have to find a way to continually give Damian Harris the rock. This is, I, not to interrupt you, but that's I'm following this game last week, and I see their first drive. They go right down. Harris scores a touchdown. He's got 36 yards, and I think he ended with like 43 yards. 43 and 11 carries. So I, I don't know what they were doing. But I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> that's exactly it, though. <laughs> if you can, if you can continually give Damian Harris the rock, you're gonna. I think New England has a great chance of winning this game. I don't think Arizona's defense is incredible. Again, no Larry Fitzgerald. It's difficult to play in Foxborough. It's difficult to play against a Bill Belichick coach team after he loses, have his team a little bit more fired up. But then again, this Patriot team is just, it's its different. You know, it's different from what we're used to seeing. You really don't know what you're going to get on a day-in, day-out basis. But with that being said, I think New England's going to win by three points. I just don't see them losing again. I don't see Arizona being able to slow down this rushing attack, which I think Belichick and McDaniels will lean on more this week. And by the way, to your point, Zach, uh, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have a touchdown against Bill Belichick in his career. Yeah. So uh, he has taken him away in a good portion of it. And uh, we're going to move to a game that I, I'm going to call an underrated appetizer that you that you just love to have at meals because it's not a really spark game when you hear the two teams, but it's a very crucial game. And that's the New York football Giants at the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, 
This game loses a lot of flair, obviously, with the injury to Joe Burrow, and we hope he has a speedy recovery. He was having quite the rookie year. This is a must-win for the Giants. Period. Exclamation point. You look at their schedule. Now, they play a team like Baltimore later in the season who is a little bit fraudulent, as Dan calls them. You got games against Arizona who, you know, again, what's Kyler Murray's status going to be? What's Larry Fitzgerald? All that kind of stuff. This is a must-win. I'm taking the Giants in this game. I think it's probably the second time I've picked them all year. Actually, third. I picked them the first two weeks of the season, uh, and it's probably been it since. Give me the Giants on the road in a must-win game. It doesn't, and I'm going to Zach first because he's the Giant fan. It doesn't get more must-win than this. No, I agree. And this is this is a game that you can't lose if if you're and the Giants. You know, I've said it all year. It, this is a team that in years past quit regularly in games. They've only really let one game get away from them. That was a San Francisco game. The other issue with the Giants traditionally has been they play to the level of their competition. And their competition level this week is going to be very degraded because Burrow is out. And I, I don't know. They're not starting Finley. They're starting Brandon I, Allen. Uh, come on. I mean, geez, <laughs> you can't beat Brandon Allen. You, you should go home. But I think that they are looking at a team here in the Bengals that's wounded, that is um, has a, a pitiful defense. They're going to have to lean. I don't even know if Mixon's playing. I don't think it would make a difference. But Giants' defense has been has been getting sneakily better week after week after week. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't turned the ball over in the last two weeks, and I think if Jones does not turn the ball over in this game, I think it, I think they win it going away. I think the only way the Giants lose this game is if they decide to lose it themselves. Dan, completely agree. Love the Giants in this game. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, which is exactly why I'm picking the Bengals to win. <laughs> oh, man. You know exactly what? Exactly why you I'm jet picking fan. the Bengals to win. <laughs> you Jet fan, you. <laughs> you know, but that's it, the thing. This is a game the Giants should win. I know. 10 out of 10 times they should win. And this is the thing with young teams, young and experienced coach teams, in a game that you have to come out and win in order to make the playoffs. Sometimes you come out flat-footed. You play a little tight, too. You play yep. tight. You got more expectations than you should. This is a game the Giants should win 100 out of 100 times. Brandon, like, Are you kidding me? Brandon I th- Allen? I think you got to. I mean, and this is going to be an indicator. How prepared is the team with Joe Judge? People are loving Judge. I'm, I, I am one of them. I think Judge has been a difference maker in this organization. But are you prepared to play a team that you every the whole world thinks you should be? And on the road, too. On the road. Not on at home. Road. On the road. So even in the even in the world of COVID, hostile environment, you're not used to it. It's unusual. Can this young team raise up to the expectations and meet them this week? Listen, I've seen this trick too many times with the Jets, so I'm skeptical. I love the Giants, which is exactly why I'm picking the Bengals. This was the Jets situation last year. They should have beat Cincinnati. They needed to beat Cincinnati. Well, not only that, right? Right after Thanksgiving, and they got they got crushed. Adam Gase skipped Thanksgiving of to course, prep of for, <laughs> to prepare oh, for yeah, the Bengals. Oh. You know what? He should skip every Thanksgiving. And we didn't score a touchdown <laughs> in that game. <laughs> he should go. He should go be thankful to Roger Goodell. He should sit out at the NFL office in New York, give him a little pray, a little you know, all that kind of stuff. Dan, I'll give you this. I, I I agree with the tightness of a young team. I'm going to say the Giants struggle early. I think this game, they might get behind by 10 points, something like that. But I think they find a way to rebound. And I do think they come away with a victory in the end. A key, key question is going to be Graham Gano, tested positive for COVID uh, right as the bye week started. Is he going to play? If he does, he's a weapon. Obviously, they can use him. KC versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, as I like to call them. It's going to be a fun matchup. 
If KC can get pressure on Tom Brady, and we've seen this before, if if you get pressure on Tom Brady, it's over. To me, in my eyes, the game is over. Now, this game is being played in Tampa Bay, so there are going to be fans there, the rowdy, the rowdy Floridians, as as uh, as we like to call them. This is a real toss up. I'm going to let you guys go first, Dan. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Who are you taking in this game? Well, I think your analysis right off the bat is correct, Ryan. The key to beating Brady, even when he was younger, you got to hit him. You have to hit him. You have to hit him early. And it's just gotten easier as he's gotten older. When he was younger, he could kind of shake it off and still perform up to a high level and beat you. But now it seems, how old is he now? 43 years old? Yeah, the hits start, they feel a little bit harder now. different. The younger guys are a little stronger. The arm's not as strong. And with KC, KC... Casey does this thing where they almost come out of the gate a little bit slow, knowing that they have Superman who's just getting ready to come in and save them. Tampa Bay's, they're sliding. I'm going to go with an upset here. I'm going to go Tampa Bay in a big-time upset. Why? Because they need to win. I really think they need to win. Casey's coming off of an emotional win at Vegas, prime letdown spot, tough game, tougher than you might think. Todd Bowles is a good defense in Tampa Bay. It's going to be tight either way. I'll go with the I'll go with the upset though. Zach, I am uh, I'm taking the Chiefs. I think that uh, Tampa Bay now, like you just said, it, it happens. It seems with all older quarterbacks, when you get older, you take more of those hits. And but Dan, you're right. They, I mean, Super Bowl 42. We could go back to that when the Giants beat him in his kitchen all night, right? And uh, we saw it last week. You get pressure on the guy, he's not the same quarterback. And I just think that, you know, Pat Mahomes is so good. He is so good. And in a game like this, where, like, he needs any extra motivation, right? Like, this is a guy, you, you, this guy wakes up motivated as all, as, as all get out every day anyway. He's playing against the GOAT. He's playing against Tampa Bay, who... Their defense, I don't know what's really happened over the last few weeks. Maybe the Giants figured them out and, and wrote a book for the rest of the league to kind of you know, take a look at when it comes to attacking the Tampa Bay defense because they don't look as scary as they did earlier in the season. And I just think, I think KC's got too many weapons. They just got too many weapons. I think they're starting to get into this, okay, we're the defending champs. We're in the we're in the we're going into the home stretch of the season. It's time. Now. Let's tighten it up, and we're going to start burying people now. And I just think that uh, you know they have a few things they need to work on. Every team does. I just thought it, Tampa Bay's been too up and down for me lately, and I think somebody has figured out sort of a blueprint here on how to attack Tampa Bay's offense. You wouldn't think they could. I mean, you look at all these wonderful pieces they have, mm-hmm. right? All the receivers and everything, and Brady and, and all this stuff. Their offense hasn't looked that great of late. And I just think Kansas City's too much to handle and I don't trust the Tampa Bay defense to stop them even at home. Uh I'll take KC by a touchdown in this one. Yeah, I like Kansas City as well when you think about it and and the pressure obviously is the big storyline. So, where are you looking at the KC defense? It's Frank Clark and it's Chris Jones. Now, Chris Jones can create havoc right up right up in Brady's face. Now, what Tampa Bay did last week was they moved their center Ryan Jensen to guard to match up with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald didn't record a statistic last week against him. So I'm imagining they're going to try to do the same thing again this week. Now, the question becomes, can Frank Clark generate pressure against whoever's playing left tackle and Tristan Wirfs, the rookie out of Iowa? I think he does just enough. I And, and, and it might come from somebody else because you got one-on-ones, so this might open up the playbook 
Spagnuolo is still their defensive coordinator? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, so, yep. and, and I think he can dial some stuff up. You get Sorensen blitzing from the back end, all these different things. I think they generate enough pressure to beat this Tampa Bay team. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if they started out slow. My, my wife, just to add this, my wife's not a huge sports fan, right? Which you know, obviously with me being one, she follows along. And last week we're watching the end of the uh, Chiefs game or replays of the Chiefs game. And somebody on TV says Mahomes and Mahomes and Mahomes. And my wife says, I don't know. She's like, I don't really pay much attention to football. But every time I see this guy, he's doing something crazy to win a game. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that, who that's he it. Is. Yeah. That's him. Like, that, was there any doubt when he got the ball? Uh, no, nope, no, no doubt. Nope. <laughs> it's like you know this is going to happen. It's just a matter of how much time will Derek Carr have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's unreal. We're going to move it to our last game of the week: Tennessee versus Indy. I saved this game because I think this is the best game this entire weekend. Couldn't this Indy more. defense is terrific. Derek Henry is terrific. The Grim this, Reaper. <laughs> oh, this is strength on strength on strength. I like what I've seen out of Indy. I picked them to be the division winner earlier in the year. I'm going to take them to win this game and create some separation in the AFC South. I just think Darius Leonard and those boys, they're going to be, now they're missing DeForest Buckner this weekend, but I think they're going to be up to the task to it, to slow down Derrick Henry because you don't stop Derrick Henry, you slow him down. I think they're up to that task. I think Phillip Rivers does enough. Again, he's the X factor for this entire team. You'd say, well, he's the quarterback. Of course he is. No, 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 especially on this team. He can throw you out of a game with his duck-duck arm, uh, or he can keep you in it with his veteran savviness and poise. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I'm taking Indy. Zach, who you got? I I agree. I like Indy. I like Indy at home in this game. Uh, Tennessee's a tough, you know, they're tough SOBs, there's no doubt, and it comes from the head coach on down. And they're they're a player in any game they play, right? I I won't count them out of anything. Um, but I like Indy in this game, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think Rivers is the wild card. I think Rivers is the wild card in almost every game. I think if if Indy had a quarterback that was an upper echelon quarterback, you're talking about legitimate, you know, here we, we're talking big-time Super Bowl year for the Colts. I think Rivers, Rivers is a guy who's kind of slightly better than what Eli Manning was at the end of his career. He doesn't have a great arm. He makes bad turnovers. Um, so even so, though, I just don't see, I think this Colts defense is the story of their season. And really, one that's flying, you know, they fly under the radar. Still. Yeah, still. Still they're under the radar, and they're right up there at the top in terms of pass defense, run defense. Um, Give me the Colts in this game. You know, I think it's going to be, and I agree, I think it's the best game, you know, this is like meat and potatoes game of the week, smash you in the face. You know, 60 minutes in your face, every second of it, and I'll take the Colts to win late field goal. The difference between Eli and Rivers is when those turnovers occur. Yeah. Eli used to be reckless most of the game, and when it came the fourth quarter, you got him the ball with two Ice minutes water, left, yep. and you knew. Phillip Rivers is the exact opposite. <laughs> the opposite. He'd play a clean game, and yeah. then with two minutes left, he'd have three turnovers, and you'd yeah. be like, how is this humanly possible? That's the main <laughs> difference. Dan, you're up. All you need to do is look at the trajectory of both of these teams, where they're trending, how they've been playing recently. You look at Tennessee, sure, they barely beat Houston. And I said they barely beat Houston. They needed a miracle to beat Houston at home, 42-36. Had a miracle to come back against Pittsburgh, missed the field goal. Got smashed in Cincinnati by Joe Burrow. Barely beat the Bears. Got cooked by Indy. And then they got lucky in Baltimore. Listen, they beat them, but that was a choke job. 
wasn't them that beat them. They got lucky. And when you look at Indianapolis and how they've been playing recently, had a good comeback against Cincinnati. But again, Cincinnati with Burrow, they were a pesky team. Blew out the Lions. They actually, you know, Phillip Rivers decided not to show up against uh, Baltimore. And they had back-to-back great wins at Tennessee. Home versus Green Bay. And you guys have been right. This defense, when they turn it on, holy smokes. It, it, it's literally like the steel curtain. It really is. You can't do anything against them. I think Indy's an AFC title game team. Whether they get there is a different story. I think they're gonna I think they shut down this running game. I just think they're better than Tennessee. Yeah. I understand divisional game, wacky, but the Colts are home, coming off of a huge win. The only way I see the Colts in a letdown is because they had such an emotional win. This past week, but the same could be said against the Titans. I agree. You know, both teams win, coming off of huge back. emotional wins. And I think, uh, I just think the Colts are more talented. Well, you need to provide some context, Dan, uh, context because the Titans versus the Texans, that game, overtime game, you forgot to mention that was Houston without Bill O'Brien, which is a scary team as we've seen yeah. the past few weeks yeah. without Bill O'Brien. Let me repeat that. And that's what I said when I tweeted out that. Houston was going to win on Thanksgiving. I said the team that fired Bill O'Brien this season will win the game. Yeah. Because it's that they've been playing so much better. Well, that's going to wrap up the NFL for this week. Guys, we're sadly running out of time already. So we're going to fly through some stuff. College football, I don't know how they finish the season. It's really a mess. Ryan Day of Ohio State test positive. They might not have played enough games to reach the Big Ten title game. They're the only real contender for the college football playoff. BYU's crying. They can't schedule a game against Washington. This is a disaster. The playoff, I think, has got to be pushed back, but then you run into the NFL playoffs. What a mess college football has created. So I'm going to turn it to high school. Pompton Lakes, they finished the season, I believe, 5-2, and 5-3. and three. Credit to New Jersey and the way they got a high school football season in. Uh, I really didn't know how it would happen, when it would happen. You had teams canceling last minute, everything like that, and they found a way to get to uh, to crown at least the conference champion this year. So all the credit to New Jersey, the NJIC, Pompton Lakes High School as a whole. Moving to the NBA. We're less than a month away, guys. The training camp starts next week. I expect the level of play to be high. I think these guys have been cooped up in the gym, especially the guys that didn't go to the bubble. They've been cooped up in the gym. All they've been doing is playing pickup basketball. They're ready to get back out there, play with their teams. Winners of free agency. It's pretty clear the Lakers are a huge winner in free agency, and it's Weird to say that when they're the defending world champions, I think they did a great job. Dennis Schroeder, uh, Wesley Matthews, you look at uh, Montrez Harrell, all those guys that they picked up, I think they clearly outclassed their little brother over there, put him further into the cellar until they move out of that arena. Uh, guys, one quick note I want to make. Why shouldn't I put money on LeBron versus KD in the finals this year? Hmm. Kyrie just, Irving. Just quick, just real quick. <laughs> there you go. Kyrie Irving. There's the, I agree. There's the answer we're looking for. Kyrie could be the demise. And I didn't buy this James Harden to Brooklyn thing. I think it would have been a disaster. There's one ball for three dudes. And by the way, the best player on that team would have been the least ball-dominant guy. Doesn't work that way. Wouldn't have worked that way. We're going to see, though. Kyrie's back at home, basically. It's, it's as close to New Jersey as he can get. I know Dan sh- Dan's shaking his head. I'm shaking my head. Dan, too. Zach, no belief. Oh man, I, listen, he, he Ryan, could, I, he could destroy it from the. Uh, listen, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying, what if it blends? It, it, I, I I went on the record earlier this month, and um, I said if Brooklyn was really serious about being a title contender, they should trade for James Harden 
and trade Kyrie Irving out of the team. They likely would have to if you think about who they could give up. They're not really giving a star back, right? Like, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's a nice piece. Yeah, Carousel versus, but you're not really getting that that B plus level player at minimum for James Harden. You back. are correct though in your analysis of the Nets roster as a whole. When you think of this roster, there's no team that's better in the East. There just isn't. And if you you claim that there is, I Joe think Harris you would be back, lying. Baby. Joe Harris. People may make fun of him, but the guy can play. Oh, Dude he can, can shout out, flat out shoot. You have Wilson Chandler, good player. Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a tremendous talent, in my opinion. They brought in Jeff Green, good veteran player, can hit the corner three, defends hard. Karis Levert, we all saw what he did in the bubble. That game against Portland, he was going off tit for tat with Damian Lillard down the stretch. This team, without KD and Kyrie, could flat out play. So now you add Kevin Durant, who's the second best player in the world, outside of LeBron James. And, you know, Kyrie... You know, I think they'd have a better. Ch- you, the world is we flat. all know the my world opinion is flat. on Kyrie. Dinosaurs don't exist. Christmas there, isn't a holiday, dude. There are. It, I've been watching NBA basketball for forty years, and I have seen guys like Kyrie Irving time and again and again and again. They and, and this whole stuff about Harden. Why? This is what this is what ticks me off about the NBA. Why is in this sport? Okay, I haven't won anything. I've never won a title, right? I, 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 I haven't even sniffed one, but I'm calling my own shots. I don't want. I know you offered me fifty million dollars a year to stay in Houston. I don't want to be here anymore because it looks like we've come to the end of the road. Oh, who paved that road? You know, who was the one who put all the gravel down on that road? Oh, that's right. It was James Harden. It was Westbrook. These guys who, oh, well, it's not working now. We didn't win, so it's time to blow it all up. And by blow it all up, I mean make my way to a team that I think has the best chance to win an NBA title. Kyrie Irving is a guy, there's been a million of them throughout, who think I'm the guy. I I am the one who, I'm on the level of KD. I'm on the level of all these other guys. No, you're not. The reason the Cavs won 20 games after LeBron James left is because LeBron James left and Kyrie Irving ain't no LeBron James. I think the way that Brooklyn gets derailed is exactly what you said. Kyrie Irving. It's one guy. This is the guy who was saying, no, don't play. Don't play in the bubble because we have to focus on social. And then guess what? His big brother said, Sit down. Exactly. And this is a guy that why are why am I listening to you? Like, why am I listening to Kyrie Irving when it comes to anything and this whole stuff? Well, this whole thing is going to be a collaboration. It's not really going to be a head coach and players. It's going to be a collaboration. Sorry, Kyrie. If you're the guy coaching the team, I am convinced you're coaching it out of any chance of winning an NBA title. Leave it to the to the point guard in Steve Nash. The legit point guard who wasn't looking throughout his career, oh, how can I get my shot? How can I create, you know, how can I create my own shot? Guys like this throughout the course of the history of the league, and especially in the last 20 years, have driven me crazy because they are not LeBron James. They're not even close. And they think they can dictate. I mean, the whole Harden stuff, I think Kyrie is Brooklyn's biggest enemy to winning an NBA title because with the guys like Levert, Dinwiddie, Harris, the role players, I was surprised they fired Atkinson. I really was. I thought Atkinson was doing a good job in Brooklyn. Well, you know who was behind that. Exactly. 
And so we'll see what happens. I do think they're right there. I think you're going to see L.A. and Brooklyn in the final. Um, but it's it's going to be an interesting season, and uh, hopefully Kyrie doesn't blow it up like he's done to basically every locker you know, room. I he's really ever been in. I hope we oh, do man. get Kyrie, like, uh, Brooklyn and L.A. because Ryan, you know, we haven't we did see LeBron versus KD a couple of times, but the teams are so lopsided in like all those matchups where you could kind of come up with an excuse. You know, the Heat the first time they were expected to win, yep. the Warriors the next two times they played. I mean, that LeBron had ridiculous. no prayer. None. Four Hall so of Famers on it. The teams yeah. this year, would be I think, would be matched. pretty evenly matched. So we'd get a mano e mano KD saying, I'm coming. The crown is mine. Yep. That would be exciting. And, yep. that, and that's where we're going to leave the NBA because I'm fired up now. I'm ready for it. And guys, we're going to have you back on to talk more. Uh, real quick with the uh, Major League Baseball, we're going to see what the Mets do. We're going to see what they mo- the moves Steve Cohen makes. Culturally, he's making a huge move right now in the organization. Everything like that, changing everything. The fun, the best Steve Cohen story I've heard so far is buying of the Bill Buckner ball that he bought for, I think it was over $400,000 that he then is going to put in the Mets Museum, which is only fitting. Guys, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to give each of you guys a chance to put out uh, your social medias and where people can reach you, how they can contact you. Zach, we'll start with you. Sure. Yeah, I got a show every week here on WTBQ WGHT. Uh, I'm talking politics, but we're tweaking it up a little bit here as we have uh, gotten past the insanity of uh, 2020, uh, almost. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Zach Kruk1, Z-A-C-H-K-R-U-K-1 on Twitter. Uh, Reach out there. But always a pleasure, man. Love being on with you guys and uh, looking forward to doing it again. Dan? For sure, it's been a pleasure, Ryan. I appreciate it. It's nice to be your esteemed guest now. I after I was, uh, <laughs> I was yours for so long, and oh man, yeah, it's it, it's been a lot of fun. Twitter is at Dan Baldwin twenty seven D A N B A L D W I N two seven. It's it's been a pleasure. I'm I'm just been grinding up in Syracuse, freezing my absolute tail off in the <laughs> in the continuous <laughs> snow that doesn't seem to stop up there. <laughs> that sounds you know what that sounds about right. You can always reach me on Twitter at. Gosker56, G-O-S-I-K-E-R-5-6. Reach me on Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. Podcast, they're in my bio, so you can always find them uh, there, and we'll keep you updated. And uh, next week, we're going to have Ronnie Aponte on, a good friend of ours. Joel Honor will be back. Nothing was going on this week, guys. I just got these two guys, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of heavy lifting here, so uh, Joel on decided to take the week off. So we'll be back for episode 28, week 13 in the NFL, we think, give or take how COVID works. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Zach, Dan, thank you so much, and put it in the books.